0: You're listening to a podcast of a Sunday Morning Message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. From misery to happiness today Anybody heard that song before? No? Really? Who said no? Who hasn't heard that song before? Okay, you need to go to iTunes. And you download The Proclaimers, they're from Scotland, The Proclaimers, and their song called, I'm On My Way. You might have seen it in one of the Shrek movies, it was in one of the Shrek movies, Ah, that's what you had, you you had connected with it. it. Who here has watched Shrek? Shame on you. You see, it's in one of the Shrek movies, and the Shrek movies are really good, I recommend them, pure family fun, And for those of you who are interested. I want to say good morning to Cafe Church, though I doubt very much, even at this stage, that the little mustache of cappuccino has been wiped from your lip yet but you're very welcome it's good to have you here with us this morning. I want to talk this morning part two of a message that I started last week. Last week's message was titled the bargain of a lifetime and I was looking at the story of the rich young man who came to Jesus. I looked at it a couple of weeks ago as well who came to Jesus and asked him what must I do to enter the kingdom of God. In fact he said what must I do to inherit?" eternal life, and Jesus told him, and he didn't particularly like what Jesus told him, and it says that he went away sad because he had many possessions. And in the process, he missed out on the opportunity of having the riches beyond imagination. This morning's message is titled, Part 2, God's Get Rich Quick Scheme. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Who here wants to be rich? Tell the truth. We're going to be talking about God's get rich quick scheme. This morning, believe it or not, like I said, we were looking at the story from Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. We're just looking at the last four verses of it and then I shall leave you in peace on this particular subject. We were looking at the rich young man and and his story is told in three different Gospels in Mark chapter 10 and Matthew 18 and in Luke 18. And the story is basically the same in all three of the Gospels. Now, the thing about it is if you look at the stories of the Gospel and this is a total aside to anything I'm saying this morning, but this is important, especially if you're new to the bible when you look at the stories in the gospel and you read the story of the rich young man and you see a slightly different version of the story where he said slightly different things in slightly different ways or jesus said something slightly different to him in the store in the various gospels the thing to remember about it is that is exactly the mark of authenticity that is added to the scriptures as we read them because if each of the gospels said exactly the same thing in exactly the same way I think we would have more doubt about its authenticity. For instance, if you were to go into a court and you were to see a number of witnesses being called forward for the defense and each one of those witnesses told exactly the same story with exactly the same details, you, and you were sitting there in the jury, you'd go, hmm, I think these guys have been colluding and making up this story. If, and so when you look at the Gospels and you see those slight tweaks and differences in the accounts that are written in the Gospels, that explains its authenticity. It's written from different perspectives and some of the writers under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit have brought emphasis to certain parts and some of the writers under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit have brought emphasis to other parts of the story about Jesus just wanted to put that in little caveat for those of you who maybe are new to the Bible anyway here's the here's the deal this rich young man comes to Jesus Jesus says go and sell all you have and give to the poor you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me And it says, he went away sad because he had many possessions. He was the first man recorded, like I said in the Bible, who came to Jesus happy and went away sad. And Jesus turned to his disciples and he said this to them. And this is an important verse. Jesus looked at his disciples intently and he said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible for someone to enter the kingdom of God, a rich man. But not with God. Everything is possible with God. Everything is possible with God. You see, not only for that rich man was it hard to enter the kingdom of God; was it almost impossible for him to enter the kingdom of God? For us, no matter how rich or poor we are, without Jesus and without God, it is impossible to enter His kingdom. Jesus must make the way. We must have faith in Him, and we must trust in what He's done. Because what we do doesn't amount to a whole hill of beans at the end of the day when it comes to getting into the kingdom of God. It is impossible. And when we look at things that are impossible in our lives God very often says that it is possible the argument that was made here by the disciples was if this rich guy and I know I'm recapping a little bit and I'll only do it for 30 more seconds if this rich guy who appeared to be blessed by God is is struggling to get into the kingdom of God how on earth are the rest of us going to get in us poor people who don't seem to have all the blessing that this rich guy had and Jesus said well with man it's impossible but with God it is possible and this, Jesus had asked the rich man to sell everything he had and give to the poor. The next part of the story begins, and we're going to get into the message proper as it were now. And it's the, where Peter speaks up. Peter's always the spokesman. He always has something to say in these situations when the, te- when the atmosphere gets tense or tight. Peter's always the guy you can depend on to speak up. And it says, Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. We've given up Everything to follow you. I like that if you compare what Peter gave up, he gave up a little fishing business at the side of a small lake in the Middle East. It wasn't exactly giving up a whole lot here. He wasn't giving up his Hollywood celebrity career. He wasn't giving up his ziggurat on the bank of the Euphrates River and his slaves uh, wafting him in the heat. Peter said, we gave up everything to follow you. You mean you gave up the smelly fishing nets and the smelly boats? And you gave up the rough crow that you were hanging around with fishing over by the Lake of Galilee? Well, it's easy for you, Peter. It's much harder for this rich guy to give up everything that he had. But as one commentator observes about it, he said, the everything of the fisherman is the same as the everything of the prince. It's the same thing. If Jesus came to you tomorrow, no matter how little, and I put it in inverted commas and we looked at it last week. I don't want to go over it again. No matter how little you may think you have, it's just as hard for you to give that up As it would be for somebody like Mark Zuckerberg to give up his billions from Facebook. He's listening right now to this conversation, I can tell you. It would be just as hard for him, it would be just as hard for you because all is all. And God does not look on the outside, but He looks on the inside. You see, we judge by the appearance of things, don't we? We're very poor judges. You know, I heard, I heard people say, I remember one time there was this woman um, who used to come here to grace many, many years ago. It doesn't come here anymore. It doesn't matter who she is, and, and, it, and it won't even name her. It doesn't matter. But she had a dog, and she was always saying that her dog was a great judge of character. Now, how dogs are supposed to be judges as a character is beyond me. And the reason she knew that is because when the dog saw a bad person, the dog would always kick off with that. It was a little poodle, a little white poodle. The kind of poodle that you really would love to kick. You know those variety of poodles? It was one of those kind of poodles. And she said, my dog, my, my dog. she was an English, she said, my dog is a really good judge of character, you know. And I said, you see, that's very good. So, what's his name? And next thing, the dog jumped out of the car. And what did the dog do to me? <laughs> and of course, I look at the dog going, Lord, are you trying to speak to me through this dog? That's what I mean. And I thought, ah, come on out of that. Like, what did the dog know? Anyway. Sorry, a little bit of an aside. But we judge by the outer experience of things, don't we? We judge by the external. We go, well, this guy is dressed well, or he's impressive, or he's articulate, or he appears very nice. But God does not look on the outside. The prophet Samuel said God looks where? On the inside. And this has exemplified this idea of giving it up at all. Remember Jesus told the story in Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, of the widow who put in two small copper coins. And Jesus said, you see that widow over there? She's poor, she's practically destitute. And in fact, she gave in more than all the rich guys who said, excuse me, let me empty my wallet into the offering box. He said, that woman gave more than all the others put together. And the disciples are going, what? I know, I know, like you're a great teacher, but you're useless at maths. But, sorry lads, Uh, he said, because she put in all she had to live on. She put in everything. And her everything was the same as the rich man's everything. Because when we give everything, we're expressing our faith. And then Jesus gets to his get rich quick scheme. He says, you know what lads, I have an idea. I have an idea, a way that will get us rich. And I love in, in Matthew's gospel, It says that Peter said, it actually says in Matthew's gospel, he says, Lord, we've given up everything to follow you. What will there be for us? And I like the way that Peter uses the word we. We've given up everything. Remember the rich man came and he said, I want to inherit eternal life. What must I do? And he said, well, I have followed all those rules. And for the rich man, the I was the most important. But for Peter, the we was the more important. You see, to the rich man, He was assured that his riches would insulate him from trouble. But in truth, riches don't insulate, they isolate. What does the scripture say about riches? It says the rich man, according to the book of Proverbs, says this, Proverbs chapter 18 verse 11, says the rich man thinks his wealth is an impregnable defense, a high wall of safety. What a dreamer, it goes on to say. What a dreamer. He thinks that he's going to be safe behind all of his money. He's not going to be safe behind all of his money. Money doesn't insulate, it isolates. In their book, um, a book called The Spirit Level by uh, two people called Wilkinson and Pickett. Wilkinson and Pickett did this uh, incredible examination of world equality, about global equality, and this is not a party political broadcast or anything like that, but they make an observation about how the richer you are, the more barriers you have to put between you and the safety and the protection of the same riches that you have gathered. So you have to have more insurance, you have to have more security you have to drive a safer car you have to have safer investments and the more and more barriers you put between you and those around you so that you are insulated and in the process of becoming insulated we end up being isolated that's what happens that's what happens when we put our heart and soul and all of our value in earthly wealth but I know that none of us are affected like that because we're all so dirt poor it doesn't matter would anyone say amen (laughs) then Jesus gets to his get rich quick scheme I love he says this he says Peter Jesus replied I assure you that everyone who has given up house our brothers, our sister, our mother, our father, our children, our property, for my sake and for the sake of the good news, and I love. Then he gets to the punchline. He says, "We'll receive no in return. A hundred times as many houses." Would anyone say Amen? amen. Our brothers, our sisters, our mother, and children, and property. You see, Jesus says, you know, no matter what you give up, it will be completely restored to you. No matter what you surrender. If it means that your family kick you out, you will have a bigger family. It's called the Commonwealth of the Kingdom of God. I grew up, I had seven, I grew up with six brothers. and my six brothers? Yes, I had six brothers uh, and two sisters. My mother and father grew up when there was very little television. Um, so th- we had a very large family. And I had a lot lot of brothers when I became a Christian. No, only one of my brothers, my brother Joe, became a Christian. Uh, No, my other brothers didn't reject me, but they certainly don't want anything to do with the good news or anything to do with Jesus. But when I became a Christian, if you will, if I lost six brothers, I gained six million brothers. Is there any men in the room here? Any men? I'm not sure about myself. Anyway. Anyway. Would you do me a favor, would you stand up for a second? Just stand up for a second. Just I ask all the men to stand up. That can be boys as well. Boys will do, men will do. I know some of you are not certain and you're staying sitting down just in case. I'm oh, my man. You, whether you like it or not, are my brother. And I'll be calling around afterwards to borrow some tools from all of you. And I'll be looking for a loan in your car as well, by the way, just in case you're wondering. But you, just, no, no, don't sit down. You are all my brothers. And look around at the people around you. These guys are all your brothers. You are in the commonwealth of the kingdom of God. God bless you, brothers. You can sit down now. And that may not be good news to you to discover that you're actually my brother. It may be really bad news. I may become your estranged brother by the time this message is all over. I don't know. But we are brothers. And could I ask the women in the room to stand up for a second? Stand up. The women in the room. Now, my wife isn't here because she's definitely not my sister, okay? I just want that for the record. I just want that on the record. But sisters, you are my sister. Amen. The good news about having a brother like me is I'll never borrow any makeup or nail varnish or anything like that. You're well safe with me. But you are sisters. You look around. Those are all your sisters. We are, you know, we say, we are a family. And we kind of get so, oh, here goes Tom and Michael saying, we are a family. We really are a family. (laughs) Really. Look, these are your sisters. Look around you. You can take your seat. Thank you, sisters. And there was probably a hundred women stood up and a hundred men stood up. So immediately, you've got a hundred. This promise has been paid back to you already. Sisters, brothers. And what about homes? Well, I love this. I love this because all my brother's homes are my home. (laughs) Amen. Mi casa, su casa. Or better still, su casa, mi casa. You know, there is a commonwealth in the kingdom of God. Isn't that right? I tell you, my car broke down. Back in last September, October, I can't remember exactly when it broke down, but it broke down as it regularly does, right? So I've got this really clapped out car that I really love because it was a gift and so on and so forth. I don't want to bore you with that detail anymore. But my car broke down and somebody in the church here walked up to me after the meeting and said, I heard your car is after breaking down. I said, yes, it is. He says, I want you to take my car. Here's my car. My car is seven years newer than your car. And I sat there going, thank you, Lord, amen. He said, my car is seven years newer than your car, and you're very welcome to it. You can take it away. Now, if you're a visitor here this morning, just for the record, okay, we're not all going taking cars off each other, our horses, all right, just for the record. That's just important to say at this point, okay? But he came up and he just offered me his car. And I went home and I said, "Elmi, you wouldn't believe it. This brother came up to me and he said he heard that there was a problem with the car and he just offered to give me his car. And she said, like on the loan. I said, no, he offered to actually give me his car. And she said, no, we could never take it. (laughs) We didn't take it. (laughs) But I just thought that was the commonwealth of the kingdom of God in operation he was delighted, he would have been honoured he said, I'd be honoured for you to take my car I'd be delighted to be able to give my car to somebody who needs it more than I do and that was it, here it is a hundred times more houses, brothers and sisters lads, if I need a bed for the night tonight would anybody give me a place to stay? four of ye (laughs) Cormac, I like that Uh, Cormac, there was a hand went up there (laughs) I like a man for the cause, if there ever was one. Four of you are going to, anybody give me a place for to sleep tonight if I have a fight with my wife? No, I'm only missing. You see? That's the commonwealth of the kingdom of God. I remember when I went to America. Oh, I tell you, I, do you know what? I think, America, I think Americans get a, get a bum deal. Do you know that? I think the Americans are some of the f- best people in the world. Would anyone say Amen. I mean it, I think they really are. I went to America, a 19-year-old young fella who didn't know his left hand from his right hand went off to Bible College over to see the big country and I went over there and every single Christian I met, one of them was more generous than the next. I slept in more houses, was driven in more cars, was fed more often, taken to the movies, given gifts, places to stay, visits for the weekend down to Cape Cod and off down to North Carolina. I said, yeah, come on, come stay in my place for the weekend. It was like, Really? Like because this isn't happening in Cork at all. <laughs> they were the most generous and decent Christians I have ever met. I mean it sincerely. They were absolutely fantastic. And I was so blessed. And here I was just a young fella. I could, and the beauty of it was, they knew I couldn't do anything for them. I was 19. What could I do? Uh, can I help you with something? No. Nothing. They just gave generously. And I received graciously. Do you know, the, do you know I heard a quote recently that I thought was very good. When we receive, when we give, when we give, what's it, when we give graciously and, no, nice. When we give, when we give graciously and receive gratefully, everyone is blessed. Everyone is blessed. Sometimes you need a bit of grace to receive as well, don't you? Amen. We do need grace to receive. And Jesus actually includes himself. I think it just for the record, it does say, and this is important. It says you will get many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property. Note, it does not say a hundred times more. Wives or husbands. Amen, sisters. Amen, brothers. Because you've only got one. Only the one. Amen. At a time. Jesus include himself in this kingdom. When Jesus' own flesh and blood, mother mother and brothers came to call him. Jesus said, they said, Lord, you kind of have to stop what you're doing there. He said, because your mother and your brothers are looking for you outside. It says that they said that Jesus had gone out of his mind. And Jesus turned, it says this. Jesus turned and pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Hallelujah. You are a brother of Jesus according to Jesus' own words. Amen. I can't figure that one out. Yes, it's true. He said it. Jesus is part of that common wealth of the kingdom kingdom. Of God. Now, does that mean that we have to give everything away to everybody we know? Like, hey, like I don't have anything left. All of the Christians came like a de- descended, like, a, like a, a swarm of locusts, upon my house and took everything from me. No, not at all. We are all individually personal stewards of the blessings that God has given us. Amen. I love when Jesus continues on. I love, I love this. Sorry, meanwhile, back at the palace, Jesus says, he will receive now a hundred times as many brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property along with persecution. Along with persecution. I'm only here for the blessings. now, Jesus said, the blessings and the persecutions come in the same package. The blessings and the persecutions. But I just want a happy life and a happy wife and a comfortable home and my children grow up. Here lies Michael O'Donovan. He lived safely and died quietly. Amen. (laughs) That's not going to be the epitaph of any serious Christian, lads. It's not going to be the epitaph of any serious Christian. I love he says, and along with them, persecution. And do you know why? Why? Because when you choose to become part of the commonwealth of the kingdom of God, when you go and you join the kingdom of God, you are now leaving another kingdom. You become a traitor to the kingdom of this world. Whether you like it or not, you get enemies when you become a Christian. That's what the Bible says. Just to let you know, lads, if just... I've got to just put a little caveat. If anybody talks to you about a cost-free Christianity, they're actually talking to you about a truth-free Christianity. There will be a cost. Jesus said, count the cost. Paul said, daily we pay the cost of following Jesus. And this is part of that cost. There are manifold blessings. But Jesus puts in that little caveat along with persecution. And why is that? Because you've left one community and become part of another community. Paul puts it, he articulates it absolutely beautifully when he's writing to the Corinthian church. He says this to them. I think he says, he, he says this here. He says, Our lives, this is in 2 Corinthians, I think, or it's 1 Corinthians. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently By those who are being saved and those who are perishing. So we are giving off the aroma of Christ. Would anyone say amen? Amen. When we assemble together, we are the aroma of Christ. Our lives are the aroma, the sweet smell of Jesus. But he says, but that smell is interpreted a little bit differently by different kinds of people. He goes on to say this. He says, to those who are perishing, we are the dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being sir- saved, we are a life-giving perfume. That's not very nice, is it? Like, aren't we supposed to like a blessing and like a beautiful aroma everywhere? Yes, we are. But people will smell that differently. You know when you've gone through a tough week and finally you meet a Christian and they, and it's like, Oh, it's like getting to an oasis somebody who understands you somebody who can pray for you or just that you can talk to who will understand where you're coming from or get your heart or know you want to worship or do you know when you've gone through a really tough day and you decide you know what I'm going to go to night church tonight amen you're going to go to night church tonight and when you go to night church tonight you're going to say I've had a tough day but it's great to come in and worship with the people of God and just rest in the presence of God that is the aroma of Christ at work it is just a beautiful smell when one Christian meets another Christian when somebody who has long for the truth meets a Christian it's like the aroma of life itself hallelujah but to so many of the people that you meet it's the stench of death I don't want to be a Christian what would I want to be a Christian for? That's gonna like ruin my future or something. I mean, I won't be able to do exactly as I please anytime I please. I become a Christian, it means I can't go into the nightclubs anymore. I can't kinda of play the field with the chicks, you know what I'm saying? What would I wanna get become a Christian for? It smells like death to lay down all that stuff. You gotta be kidding me. We have staff meetings here every Tuesday. Upstairs in the office at a, normally at ten o'clock, and at the staff meeting, it's really nice when you go into the staff meeting because a number of a number of the, the 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 ladies who come to the staff meeting, such as DJ, Denise, Carol, uh, Christine Eckersley when they come into the room, when you come into the room and they're in the room, there's just this lovely aroma because they're all wearing I don't know, Azure or or I don't know Chanel number no. five. I don't know what they're wearing, and it's just lovely. You go into the room, and I always, I always, I've said to them loads of times, lads, I don't know what we're doing in this meeting, but the aroma in the room is lovely it's really good to have such a lovely smell inside the room and they go in and oh it's just so pleasant to be around but then when you go into the room after say tom and barry and i have been in there for a half an hour and it smells like a gaa changing dressing room (laughs) there's a ah the smell of man you know that's what it smells like and it's just completely different it's the same room just a completely different set of smells inside there because the lads, with respect, you just don't smell as good as the women do. It's, that's, that's the truth of it. But it's the same room, and you go into the same room, and you get one smell, and you get into the same room, and you get a different smell. And it's the same as that in your life. You know the people at work who just don't like you because you're a Christian, because they think that you're very, I don't know, judgmental or something? Like... I, 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 you know, I, I hate being judged for being judgmental. Does, does anybody see the, kind of, the complication there? I, I, I just don't, I, I don't get it, I suppose. But to some people, the good news is not good news. It's not good news. It's terrible news. Because the news says that unless you know Jesus Christ, unless you've surrendered to his kingdom, you're perishing. That's not a very good news story if you don't really want to lay down your life and follow Jesus. I have to give all this stuff up to follow the Lord? You've got to be kidding me. Jesus said, blessed are you when people insult you and mock you and say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for great is your reward in Four people know the answer to that. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in? Excellent. Great is your reward in heaven. I love it says, you know, when people mock you and insult you and say all kinds of evil against you because of me, great, rejoice and be glad. No, that is because of me, not because you're being a muppet at work and annoying people. Some people think they're being persecuted when they're just really being really annoying and they should really just stop annoying people and then they'd stop being persecuted instantaneously. They turn the good news into the bad news by just continually annoying people about it. So you're going to be perceived differently. You'll either have you'll either have the aroma of life or the stench of death to pretty well everyone that you meet. Jesus finished off his statement by saying this. And along with this, he said, all of these things you will receive eternal life. Where's it gone to? Come back to me. I seem to have skipped. Is it gone? Why, why will you not come to me? He says, but along with all of these things, you will receive eternal life. And then he finishes off his statement by saying this. And this is the, this is the important part of it. He says, but many who are the greatest know will be the least important then. And those who seem to be the least important now will be the greatest then. Because we look on the outside all the time, because we tend to look at things the way they are, we be, we can begin to lose sight of the fact that Jesus said that things as we see, that this kingdom, this world, is going to be literally turned Upside down. There's going to be what theologians call the great reversal. Things are going to change. Things are not going to remain the same. The people who seem so important no. The people who seem to be the movers and the shakers no, Will neither move nor shake then. The people who seem to have it all together. Will be the ones who actually didn't have it together at all. The people who don't seem to have it together no will be the ones who, as it turns out, will be the ones who actually had it together all along. It's the great reversal that God is bringing. And in Jesus' time, the great reversal had already begun. Because in Jesus, God was visiting lepers who were at the bottom of society, children visiting the sick, raising up the dead, All of these people who were outside of the general influence of society were the people who were being raised up, as it were, literally, by Jesus. So those who were great now aren't going to be so great then. And when you think about the context of this situation, and this is important, when you think about the context of this conversation that Jesus is having, he's just after sending away a guy who was very rich and very influential. And he said, You see, the people who are rich and influential now, they're not going to be rich and influential in the kingdom of God. All I can say that, to that is hallelujah. And the people that you think are really, really important now, they're actually not going to be that important when the push comes to the shove. There will be a turning over. The ones who are the biggest losers now will be the biggest winners then. That's what Jesus is saying. And it's all over the place. You give to get, you win. You lose to win, you surrender to take up life, you lose the things that you're holding on to to gain. And already that is happening, and it's happening in your life, and it's happening in my life. We just don't see this great reversal at work as things currently stand. But it actually is going on right now in your life, and it has the possibility of happening right now in your life. Josiah, would you click the mouse onto the pro presenter page, please? If you would. Because the things that are going on in your life right now can reflect that. Here's what here's what Peter wrote to the early Christians. He said, God opposes the proud, but who does he give grace to? To the humble. Now we all say, Well, I am such a humble person. And apparently, the minute you say you are humble, apparently you're not humble anymore. It's just one of those horrible, kind of awful headlocks that you can get yourself into. He says he, he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Have you ever noticed anything? It's very hard to experience God's grace in your life when you're proud. Do you ever notice that? Do you ever notice that when your back is up and when you're angry about something? I know none of you ever suffer from anger, but I have the odd you know, the odd time. I get annoyed about the odd thing. It's very hard to experience God's grace when we're full of our own thinking and full of our own anger and full of our own emotions. In actual fact, it's not hard to experience god's grace it is impossible to experience god's grace in the middle of that situation if i decide to lose the cool with my neighbor because he turns up the music too loud if i get stuck in the guy who's cut me off in traffic and i lose the cool with him or whatever no get me wrong i'm not going around the place losing the cool all the time that's just for the record. But if I do, it's very hard to experience God's grace in that situation. If I'm going around deliberately holding a grudge against somebody who has wronged me, then I will never experience God's grace in that situation. I put myself in the reverse of the great reversal. Because God says the way up is the way down. God opposes the proud. And you know when we get pro, I I know none of you ever get proud hearted, but I do. And you know what C.S. Lewis describes it as the most anti-God state of heart. I have my pride, you know. I you know this this thing, you know. I, I'm not going to do that now because I, I I have my pride. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give in to that. I can't experience the grace of God in that situation. If you're not experiencing the grace of God today. Guys, if you're not experiencing the grace and the presence of God, is it possible that there's something in your heart that is stopping you from experiencing the presence of God and the grace of God? He goes on to say this, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. Isn't that a good promise? Amen. Marianne thinks it's a good promise. Does anybody else think it's a good promise? You see, we don't like humbling ourselves, do we? It's just contrary to our nature. It just doesn't go with us. Paul says this, he said, It's the way of the flesh the physicality, the natural man to war against the spirit to war against it have you ever wondered why why is it so hard to just focus and to pray why? because your whole system doesn't like doing praying because praying is a spiritual activity and your body and your nature don't like doing spiritual things naturally, they don't like doing it or even when you're reading the bible I I can't concentrate, I think I'll just watch Netflix instead, why? because your body says Netflix is much more interesting because it's at war with your spirit that's what's going on and here he says humble yourselves under god's mighty power we don't we don't like that but we'd like the last bit and at the right time he will lift you up in honor what has that got to do with my life this is what it's got to do with my life i want to experience the grace of god in my life do you want to experience the grace of god in your life I want to experience that grace and I hope that I have the wisdom and the experience to know that the longer I've stored this stuff up in my heart the worse it gets for me and I want to lay it down. Let's stand for a second. We're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to worship. John, would you come up and sing for us? John and the band are going to come up. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand and at just the right time he will lift you up there's two things i want to pray for and that is that we would receive the grace of god for the situation that we're in because sometimes we don't get an instant solve or an immediate problem fix sometimes we're struggling with stuff that's internal and There isn't a patch that can be stuck on our lives that will immediately fix it. Sometimes we're in a process. Sometimes God's at work in deep things down in our souls. And sometimes we just need God's grace to keep going. Let's close our eyes for a second. Every one of you know your own lives and you know exactly what you're up against. And for some of you this morning, this is just going straight over your head it just doesn't fit and that's fine but for others of you you realize Lord I really do need your grace right now I need your grace and Lord I want to humbly ask for you to minister your grace to me Lord give me the grace so that I can lay down that hurt I can lay down that anger I can lay down that frustration I can lay down that disappointment Lord, would you give me your grace this morning? Give me your grace. Lord, don't oppose me, but favor me this morning. If you realize this morning you need God's grace for your situations or for your life, would you raise your hand? I see your hands. Just keep your hand in the air, just for a moment. For others of us, We're trying our best and we're trying our best to follow the Lord. But this breakthrough, this change that we so desperately need, whether it's in our own lives or in the lives of someone around us, maybe we're longing and praying for somebody else. Maybe we're waiting for a breakthrough for work or the relationship. Peter says, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. And at just the right time, he will lift you up sometimes we need grace to wait for God's timing if you need grace for God's timing for that breakthrough in your life that you're longing for say Lord I just need grace I need, I, need, I need to be patient let me hold on for your perfect timing would you raise your hand I'm going to ask you to do something very small I'm going to ask you to leave your chair we're going to come here to the front we're going to pray We're going to ask for God's grace and for God's perfect timing to be executed in our lives. We're going to give thanks for being part of the commonwealth of God's kingdom. That he has great things stored up for us. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Oh, my soul Worship His holy story recorded in the book of Chronicles and in Kings in the Bible it's a story of a king who went to war it says that while he was in the war a random archer fired an arrow and it flew across and it hit him right in the joints in his armor and he died as a result of his injury and I love the way the scripture records that a random arrow flew and got him. there is no random in the kingdom of God anyone say amen and you are not the random victim of any random event God is at work in your lives God is at work in your lives if you feel this morning that you like you're trying to make sense there's no pattern to it that's okay you may not know the story of the pattern of your life until afterwards and that's okay too let's pray for the grace of God will you raise your hands to heaven whether you're up here or down there let's pray Lord Jesus we pray First and foremost, Lord, for your grace to be applied to our lives, to our minds, and to our hearts, and to our situations, Lord. Humbly this morning, we ask you, Lord, to give us your grace and give us your favor. Would anyone say amen? We humble ourselves before you this morning, Lord, and say that the things that we're holding on to, that the anger the unforgiveness that so easily surfaces in us again and the pride that comes at us again and again Lord we want to humble ourselves before you and know your favor and your blessing in our lives in every area give us your grace in Jesus name and let us be wise to apply that grace to our thinking to our hearts and to our souls Lord this morning we hand over your, your word says that my times are in your hands. My times are in your hands. This morning, Lord, we rest on that promise that your timing is perfect. That what you're doing in our life, Lord, you're raising up at just the right time is perfect, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would know your timing for every area of our lives, Lord. The timing for that provision, Lord, that we long for. The timing for that loved one that we long for. To know you and come into the kingdom of God. To come to that personal relationship. That timing, Lord, to know that we, when we meet with the examiner, that the timing will be right. That when we meet, Lord, with the landlord, the timing will be right. When we meet with the doctor or with the boss, the timing will be right, Lord. We humble ourselves under your hand. We ask you, Lord, let your times be our times in Jesus' name. Lord, this morning, regardless of what we're in, we may be pressed, but we're not crushed. We may be persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We may be struck down, but we are not and will not be destroyed. Thank you, Lord, God, that we are part of the commonwealth of the kingdom of God. Would anyone say amen? I thank you, Lord, you have put brothers and sisters in this kingdom around us hundreds of them Lord we pray that you would minister to us through these brothers and sisters through this great incredible family that you brought us to be part of Lord thank you Lord God that we are we have people that we can lean on and talk to and trust people who will understand us Lord Lord we pray that as we go from here today that we would be a perfume that the aroma of Christ would come from us Lord Jesus pray Lord that we would meet with other Christians and have sweet fellowship Lord other people who know you we commit our ways into your hands Lord and we declare that though we may lack in some areas of life your grace is sufficient for me it is enough for me your grace is enough for me Lord we ask you to bless us be with us Let's close in prayer. Can I invite you to lift your hands? Let's close our meeting this morning before the guys sing. Let's close our meeting. Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that as we go from this place today that we will carry with you an aroma of your presence. Would anyone say amen? Lord, we realize that even the very presence of Jesus himself was an obnoxious smell to those who were opposed to him but it was the aroma of life to those who were longing to hear good news. Lord, we pray in this coming week, you would put in our path the people to whom this, mu- this good news is the aroma of life itself. May we carry that name. May we carry the of Jesus Christ may we carry the aroma of Jesus into every situation whether we're with our wives and children our family our brothers our sisters our workmates our fellow students we ask you Lord that we would carry that with us this week in Jesus name and God's people said may the Lord bless you and keep you may the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you may the Lord lift up the light of his countenance and give you his peace in Jesus' mighty name, and God's people set a final. Yes. Amen. Praise God. God bless and keep you, brothers and sisters. His grace is enough for us and for our lives. The lads are going to play us out. We're here for tea and coffee upstairs in the atrium. God bless and go with you. We'll see you again on Tuesday night and next Sunday morning.